everybody, and welcome back to Everything Else. I'm your host, as always, Nick Stewart. I've been uh, thinking about the fallacy of relative privation, and specifically I've been thinking about uh, how people misuse and abuse it to uh, try to knock down arguments that don't go in their favor. Um, I remember probably four or five years ago at this point, uh, there was a video of a guy with an AR-15 giving stats on gun deaths. And I wish I uh, could have found it to put a link in the show notes, but I, I couldn't. Uh, it was kind of a long time ago. But he gave these uh, crazy stats, just one after another, and you're watching it thinking, like, this is too crazy to be true. And then he reveals that these are not actually stats relating to gun deaths, but stats about deaths from abortion. So the intent of the video is basically to trick a gun control advocate into seeing these massive death tolls and agreeing that this is a problem that should be dealt with, and then they find out that these are actually about abortion. Relatively speaking, with the way uh, American echo chambers work in our culture, most people who are pro-gun control uh, tend to be pro-abortion, so that's just part of the, the kind of... I want to say marketing scheme of the video. It's not really marketing. What is it? What uh, just draws you in and grabs you about it? Uh, so the video was shared by a few friends of mine, and I remember uh, reading the comments and seeing a lot of people making allusions to the fallacy of relative privation. Uh, so this basically means like a bigger problem does not negate another problem. So in terms of the video I'm referring to, the fallacy people were accusing this guy of was saying gun deaths aren't a problem because abortion kills more people than guns. Now that would be a fallacy. The problem is that wasn't what he was saying. He was using the issue of gun control to point out the enormous death toll of abortion. And he wasn't making a prioritized list of what the most pressing issues were. And I'm sure this guy, like, if you asked him, uh, he would probably say that, that guns have uh, saved a lot of lives, too. Uh, he'd probably say the idea of gun control shouldn't be on the table at all. So if you're talking about someone who doesn't believe in gun control at all, are they actually committing the, the fallacy of relative privation? To say, like, well, we don't need to worry about this because one problem's bigger like no he doesn't believe the the form the latter is a problem at all so that's obviously a few layers deeper than most people have ever thought about these issues uh so my thoughts at the time were well if this uh issue is con like about controlling guns or controlling abortion then maybe that would be a fallacy you know the the two are unrelated unless the problem is death like you don't want people to be murdered, then whatever is causing the most murders probably would and should take priority. But of course, we all know the issues of abortion and gun control are not about the preservation of life, but about siding with your party distinctions. Uh, you want gun control because your leaders tell you so, and you want abortion rights because that's what your leaders tell you that you want. And sadly, the inverse of, of those positions can be true. So even if someone's correct about those things, 
which I believe the inverse of those positions would be the correct one, then sometimes that is just following party line as well. But if the issue actually was the body count, then I think there would be some accounting for what causes the most death. But like I said, those things are apples and oranges and weren't intended that way. He was just using gun control or gun violence, I should say, as a, as a framing device. Now we, we come to the COVID regime and the lockdowns, and we saw a lot of this kind of talk. Uh, someone points out that heart disease kills a lot more people every year than, than COVID is even projected to kill. And now you're guilty of the fallacy of relative privation. Uh, maybe if it was that simple, that would be true. But the arguments against lockdowns were not, hey, deal with heart disease and then lock everybody in their houses to fight COVID. The argument was, if you're not willing to take drastic measures against heart disease, why are you taking these drastic measures against COVID when it's expected to kill less people? You see, people take what I can only describe as a thought experiment and at like as an actual suggestion and attack it under the fallacy of relative privation, but anyone arguing against lockdowns would never would have said it was a viable option as long as you dealt with bigger problems first. They were arguing against an infringement on liberty. So just like the gun control thing, it's not like that was ever actually on the table. It was just something to put the other issue in perspective. A lot of people pointed out the obvious when it came to climate change. Um, for about 50 years now, probably more, really, uh, we've been about 12 years away from the end of humanity due to climate change. So you're, you're not locking people in their houses because of climate change, which is supposed to end humanity, end the human race. So why do it for something that is projected to kill 2 million Americans? And I wouldn't be me if I didn't point out that we're two years into this now and we haven't hit half that number yet. Um, when Arnold Schwarzenegger was, was talking about people who didn't want to take the COVID vaccine, he said, screw your freedom. And he was ignoring the fact that by submitting to these things, we're making a much worse life for ourselves in the future than if we just dealt with COVID. And uh, here's a surefire way to stop the spread of COVID. You want kind of a thought experiment? You want a, a little uh, hyperbole to make a point? Here, I'll give it to you. Um, here is the, the most effective way to stop the spread of COVID. Uh, better than the vaccines, better than masks, better than lockdowns, all that. Take a loaded gun, put it to your head, and pull the trigger. That is the surest way to not catch COVID and not spread it. And that's obviously not a real suggestion for anyone who somehow doesn't know that. I hope they, I hope there actually was one person with like the gun to their head like, this is it. I finally figured it out. And then when they heard me say, that's not a real suggestion, they just slowly lowered it. <laughs> like, oh, okay, I guess I won't do that then. It's obviously not how the world works. Um It'd be a lot more fun if that's how it worked, though. Uh, so, you know, I'm not giving that as a real suggestion, but what I'm saying is no one would take the suicide solution to COVID. But why? I mean, aren't we willing to do anything to stop the spread of COVID? Because somewhere deep down, 
even if you would never admit it out loud, you believe that there's something worth living for beyond the war against COVID. Like, ultimately, if you think you're fighting a war with COVID, you think that you're fighting for something beyond that, right? Like, you're fighting for a life without COVID. So it wouldn't make sense for you to just kill yourself, right? Because then you don't get anything by defeating COVID. So when you say something like, screw your freedom, you are ignoring the fact that it's better to live with COVID and be free than to give up anything for the sake of fighting it. But, you know, you do have some lines you're not willing to cross in that endeavor. I just proved that to you because you're not willing to kill yourself. Because if we if we come out on the other side of this thing, which is kind of a prospect I don't think is attainable, um, you know, if we have significantly less freedom than we had in 2019, just permanently, then I would say it's not worth it. And by the way, since we're on the topic, uh, John Johns Hopkins did a study that concluded that the lockdowns reduced COVID deaths by about 0.2%. Uh, they concluded that the lockdowns saved about 4,000 um, 4, lives and uh, cost the lives of about a quarter million people. And that also doesn't take into account the economic ramifications, which means that quarter of a million death toll is probably a lot higher. Uh, I mean, I, I was hearing a million deaths from like very preventable diseases like over a year ago. So I, I think, you know, we've we've far surpassed that. Uh, but that's what's been proven in the study. Uh, if only there had been someone telling us that that would happen two years ago. Oh, wait, I was telling you that would happen two years ago. So now we have actual figures we can wrap our heads around that prove this fight against COVID was not worth all the things we sacrificed. And I was telling you that, and people way greater than me, like Ron Paul, were telling you that, and Tom Woods and Dave Smith, and, you know, lots of people. Alex Berenson, we'll throw him in. But uh, but nobody, nobody listened. Nobody probably even heard. I mean, I know only like seven people listen to me. But, like, nobody probably even heard what Ron Paul was saying about it because of the way the algorithm works, right? But now we have actual figures to say that our sacrifices weren't worth it. And uh, it would have been better to just deal with it. Just, you know, that's if you believe what the study says. I mean, Johns Hopkins. I smoked pot with Johnny Hopkins. That's a stepbrother's joke if you didn't know. Moving on. Uh, so I, I could be accused of the fallacy of relative privation by saying that government tyranny is a much bigger threat than COVID. Um, so I, I mean, I think the last two years are actually proof of that. I think the last two years can actually be proven with numbers that government tyranny is, is worse for people than COVID would have been. Um, so we should worry about that more and not submit to these measures and these mandates but if the if the issue is actually death and not just control over people then things like this john hopkins uh study should actually matter you know the fallacy is to say that we can sacrifice the lives of a quarter million people in order to save four thousand people it shouldn't be considered a fallacy to say hey we're causing a much bigger problem here by by what we're doing to fight this 
but I've noticed that people who evoke relative privation tend to be on the wrong side of the issue. And they're using that as a way of making you feel like you don't know what you're talking about because they are on the wrong side of the argument. But we've learned over the last two years, as we've known for thousands of years, uh, that the one taking away your freedom is never the good guy, and they're never going to deliver on what they're promising you, and they don't care if you live or die. And I don't know how many times we need to see it before we can accept it, but I'm hoping you start today. And uh, I can see a lot of hope for that all over the country now, even up into Canada, as we see some of the things going on. People are clearly not buying this anymore. So call me an optimist, but I think we're almost through this. And uh, I hope I don't turn out to be wrong. Thanks for listening, everybody. I will talk to you next time.